to Our Last Meal, the podcast on grief, loss, and food. I'm your host, Andrew, and every episode I talk with a guest about someone important in their life, someone they've lost, and what role food played in their relationship. This week I talk with Coach Paula, a woman with an incredible story about love and grief. And I'm not being hyperbolic when I say this is one of my favorite interviews that I've done so far. That's not a knock on anyone else I've spoken to. Paula was just that incredible. I hope you will listen. I hope you will enjoy it. If you do enjoy it, I hope you'll take the time to tell a friend or a family member about the show. Leave a rating or review on whatever podcast service you use. Um, follow on social media at Our Last Mill Pod. Uh, all that out of the way. Let's go ahead and jump in. Uh, I do like to give a content warning at the top. This show does talk about death, so just please be mindful as you listen. Hello and welcome to Our Last Mill. I'm your host, Andrew, and my guest this week is Coach Paula, a grief, relationship, and empowerment specialist. Paula, thank you so much for joining me today. It's my pleasure. I, uh, I really appreciate you taking the time. This is a uh, full transparency. This is Super Bowl Sunday. It's a couple hours before the game. Um, and I know you said that you live close to uh, Philadelphia, so I can only imagine the insanity that is just encapsulating everything around you right now. Absolutely. Go Eagles. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm, I think I'm pulling for the Chiefs over the Eagles. Um mm. I'm also just pulling Sorry for, for your loss. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I just want a fun game. I wanted to be competitive and also for good food. You know, um, we were talking Thank just you. before we started that, uh, I, I've got a, I'm going to try to represent both teams in the menu tonight. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, mm. do you have anything special planned in terms of the game? No, I plan to just watch here on my couch and try to see how my friends react when the victory occurs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's fair. I, um, I'd heard that the city of Philadelphia had to, they have to grease light poles to keep oh, people yes. from climbing them. Is that, is that an accurate thing? That is very accurate. You've heard correctly. Yes. I, I guess, I guess the reason that shocks me is I, you know, I'm, I'm a Carolina Panthers fan. I haven't had a chance to really celebrate in several years now. Okay. Um, so maybe we're just not used to, we're not used to that much excitement. Yeah. Philly goes all out. They're, yeah. you, they're party town. <laughs> <laughs> It's it is a that I have a friend that lives in Pennsylvania. I don't I think he's on the western side of the state, um, but I'm not a hundred percent sure. Uh, I don't think they get much celebration over there. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, it is it is a goal of mine to make it up to to um to Pennsylvania. I really do want to go to Philadelphia, though. I would like to check out the city. I mean, there's so much history there, and there is. Uh, it's a great city to visit, and make sure you get a cheesesteak while you're here. Well, yeah, and I'm, a pretzel. I'm, and a, are the pretzels a big thing there? Oh yes, Philly pretzels are everything. Okay, Absolutely. I've got to ask this now. Tell me about a Philly pretzel. <laughs> okay, so you know it's not like a pretzel that you get in the snack bag. It's pretzel that's like a bread, and it's a twisted pretzel, and it has salt. It's topped with salt, and you dip it in mustard. Sometimes people use it as um, even breading for you know, a sandwich or something like that, but it's, it's like bread. So it's just like, like a big, soft pretzel, a big, soft pretzel. It's not like a hard, crunchy pretzel. Yeah. It's a big, soft breaded pretzel. And when you get it warm, oh my goodness. 
Now, I, I've had I've had the soft pretzels before. I didn't know that was a big thing for Philly, though. I yes. do love it with mustard um, or with like beer cheese. Mm-hmm. The, the mustard though is it a is it like a yellow mustard like a stone like yellow a stone mustard, mustard is preferred, but some people do like to get the brown mustards. Okay, you know, some people like to get a sweet cream, all kinds of stuff. No, I can I can see that. Like it, you know, at that famous pretzel lady place. I don't want to say the name. How they <laughs> yeah, have the I know what you're talking. <laughs> Yeah, I um, they have the we'll we'll see those in the mall down here, and mm-hmm. I'm of the of the three people in my house. My daughter does not like pretzels. My wife is kind of ambivalent. It's a if it's there, if she's if she's a you know peckish, pretzels fine. I love pretzels. I will keep the a bag. I'll keep bags of the uh, pretzel chips in the house. Nice. If I go to a restaurant and they've got a they've got an appetizer of like the big soft pretzel with the mm-hmm. the coarse salt on it, like you were saying, and the and the mustard yeah. to dip it in or the cheese, I am all for that. So, yeah, one Philly's more reason to go to Philly. town. So, come to Philly, you'll you'll have a great time. I um I always I always like talking to people from different places because and I've covered multiple continents now with the show, both coast of the United States and all kinds of major cities. Um, and I'm always learning about, you know, unique food to the, for these places that I'm going to have to try. So I'm going to have to add mm-hmm. the big soft pretzel to the list for Philly. Absolutely. I love it. So I appreciate you joining today. Um, you know, we talked a little bit beforehand. Uh, you have, you know, you have a story that you wanted to tell that you wanted to come on and talk about. Um, I know you shared with me that you've experienced a lot of loss, but I, I don't want to speak for you. Um you want to go and tell me, you know, who we're going to talk about today and, you know, why was this person so special to you? Absolutely. So today we're going to talk about Martin Hollis, um, also known as my captain. He called himself my captain when we got married over 30 years ago. And he passed away suddenly on uh, Wednesday, November the 24th of 2021, one day before Thanksgiving. And he was slated to retire at the end of that year after working for 34 years uh, for the U.S. Postal Service. And so we were really looking forward to his retirement and just enjoying that time together. Um, But unfortunately, he passed away right before Thanksgiving. And so it was actually six days after my sister had passed away as well. So November of 2021 was definitely full of grief (laughs) And, um, you know, just a lot of sorrow, but um, we've been navigating and managing the grief ever since. A huge loss for our family. My husband was the youngest of 11 siblings, and he he has a twin sister as well. And so this is the first time that their family immediate circle has been unbroken amongst the siblings. And so no one ever thought that the baby of the family would be the one to go first. Um, but, um, even though he's no longer physically here, his presence is very strong amongst all of us. So I, um, we'll come to the story in a moment. You, you told me a beautiful story before we, we started talking. Mm -hmm. Um, I want to, I want to poke around a little bit about what you just, you just said though. That's so much loss in such a short time in, in a week. Yes. And, and, and not just, major losses too, a, a sibling and a spouse, yes. you know, I, I just have to ask, how were you able to to manage and keep going? Cause that, that is a lot of loss. 
It is. It is a lot of loss. And overall, I've had a lot of loss in my family. I'm the youngest of seven. And um, five of my siblings have passed away. So I have one sibling left. And so I had already lost my four brothers. And so when my sister passed, that's the first time I have two sisters. That was the first time I had, you know, a sister to pass away. And, um, you know, my sister had collapsed about 10 days before she passed away. They found her unresponsive. And my husband, even though he was sick at the time because he had ruptured his Achilles and um, he wasn't working. And so literally he would go to the hospital with me every day while we were waiting on my sister's neurological testing and outcomes and different things. And so it was, you know, very painstaking. Like, you know, he's on um, his crutches or on the scooter, you know, trying to navigate him, trying to be there to support my sister and her six daughters, you know, through this process and the different neurological testing. It was an, it was an awful lot. And then for my husband to pass away, I mean, for me, it was really, I, I have to say that my faith, I am a strong believer um, in my faith. And that definitely is something that rooted me and um, caused me to have a grounding. Um, but then also just the love, the love of my family, the love of my friends and the support of so many people around me um, definitely sustained me in, in the extremely difficult time. Like I, I, I would not have been able to have survived it without the support of family and friends and my faith. You know, I think, um, I think that that trifecta for so many people is important. You know, the family or the friends, the faith, you know, to find that thing that gives you that, I guess that foundation and just, and you know, it's the other thing you, you talk about family and friends and it sounds like even for him, you know, even until the end, he was that for so many other people as well. My husband really was. He was a man of small stature, but he had a huge personality and a gigantic heart. Like he always spoke positively of people. He always befriended people. Um, He was a letter carrier. He worked for 34 years for the U.S. Postal Service. And some of the stories that some of the family shared with me after my husband passed away, I'm like, well, when did he work? Like he was shooting basketball with the kids and teaching them, you know, how to do their jump shots and foul shots. He was helping elderly, uh, one elderly young, elderly lady. She explained to me how my husband had helped her when she had her hip replacement to walk from her front door to the driveway to retrieve her mail because she needed to walk, but she didn't feel comfortable walking unaided. You know, and I'm just hearing these stories of the things that this man did and how he met people in the Wawa and, you know, just share it with them. And even at his funeral service, my nephew said that my husband always had a kind word to say about everyone. And he's like, he would even say something nice about like the devil and everyone in the (laughs) audience is like, what, what would he say nice about the devil? And my nephew's like, well, Uncle Martin would say, well, he is consistent. (laughs) So you mentioned how you heard all these stories about him, you know, about helping people and just, you know, all this kindness. Were these things that you'd heard beforehand or are these things that came out after the fact? Sort of a combination. I mean, my husband would always tell me about things he did at work and, um, you know, people he encountered and different things like that. But it just seemed like there was such a flood of it 
of course, after he passed away because people were sharing yeah. um, about him. And it's actually kind of funny if I can tell a story about when my son was probably my youngest, my oldest son, excuse me, was probably about six months old. And at the time, my husband and I were sharing one car and I was driving out to pick him up from work and the car started having trouble and I didn't feel comfortable you know, proceeding. And so I pulled into this little parking lot. There was a little mom, pa, little store. And I called my husband and I said, babe, something's wrong with the car. I don't feel comfortable, you know, moving forward. I explained to him where I was and he said, okay, let me get someone to drive me there. And so, you know, my son was getting a little restless in the car. So I said, well, let me get out and take him in the store. I can always shop anywhere. <laughs> and so I go into the little mom, pa store and I'm in an area I'm completely unfamiliar with. And I'm walking around the store, going through the different aisles, and um, I notice that the store owners keep watching me um, from aisle to aisle. And, you know, we live in a, a, a society that, um, you know, is not unifying as far as the races are concerned. Yeah. And so I'm like, am I being profiled? You know, I was getting a little uncomfortable as I went from aisle to aisle, but I wasn't doing anything wrong. And I picked up a few items and then finally I looked at the woman and I said, excuse me, you know, is there a problem? Like, I just, you know, it made me feel uncomfortable yeah. how she kept walking. And she said, oh, no, no, I'm sorry. She's like, I just keep looking at your baby. And I'm like, my baby, you know, and she's like, I'm sorry. He just reminds me so much of our singing mailman. <laughs> and you know, she looks at her husband. She's like, what's his name, honey? You know, the singing mailman. She's, he's, he's like, oh, yeah, Marty. She's like, yeah, yeah, Marty. Marty, Marty, our singing mailman. And she's like, your baby just looks so much like Marty. And so I started laughing, and I realized, like, I'm about 10 minutes from my husband's job. So this is potentially one of his patrons. And I said, oh, I know you're singing mailman Marty. <laughs> like, Marty is my husband, and this is, you know, his son. And they were like, oh, my God, this is the baby. And it was like, you know, I'm having this reunion <laughs> with these people of sorts. And they're like, oh, my God, you're you're his wife. And, you know, they're, you know, they're like, oh, my goodness, we're all excited. And so they eventually took me to the back, you know, and they're like, relax. I told them I had car trouble and I was like, Marty's on his way. And they're like, oh, what do you need? So they filled up my bags. They gave me all this complimentary food and, and different things. And they're like, oh my God, it's Marty's wife. And they called their kids. I'm like, this is unreal. It is. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. So when my husband got there, they're like, Marty, you know, he sings for us all the time. And we always give him a snack and different things. I'm like, it just, it just the na it was the nature of my husband. Like that's just the type of person he was. <laughs> I love it. it. It just it goes to show. I mean, for for him, it may have just been his nature just to be kind to people. But it just shows yeah. that it it makes an impact on people. It really does. Kindness goes a long way. A smile, you know, just a nice word. It it really goes a long way. The small gestures truly have big impact. Yeah. It, it reminds me of that, um, you know, that quote of it. People may not always remember what you did or what you said, but they'll always remember how you made them feel. Remember how you feel. And I know, Absolutely. I know, I'm paraphrasing, but I, I really think that's at the spirit. Well, you of did that. pretty well, Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it's it's so true though. It's small actions can really have a big impact. They do, and they really do. And I think we too often lose sight of that and focus on. 
the big things. Not that the big things aren't important as well, but there's so many small things that are simply overlooked and can have a huge impact. And so, yeah, my husband was very thoughtful like that. He was very intentional like that. And the simple things, cards, you know, little notes. Like I would go to my car in the morning, there'd be a little note on the seat. Like that just meant, it meant a lot to me. And, you know, that he would take the time, you know, or especially, you know, sometimes we would get bad weather here in the Northeast. And so, you know, my car, he would make sure that I knew he knew, I you know, I knew where, you know, my snow scraper was, or, you know, just to make sure if my car was cleaned off or made sure there was an umbrella in my car, if it was going to rain that day, just little things like that really make a difference. That's, that's beautiful. That's, I think that's kind of the blueprint for every husband is to, you know, try try to, and I guess maybe not just for every husband, for every person who has a spouse, you know, try to, it's the little things. Yes, it is. It really is the little things. I love that. It goes a long way. You, um, you know, speaking of stories, there was another one you told me before we started. And would you mind telling that? Because this really, this literally brought tears to my eyes just hearing you tell this. Sure. I'll, I'll gladly tell that story. Um, <clears throat> you know, one of the things that I appreciated about my husband is that he was a very good father. And um, he had a wonderful father. He had a wonderful grandfather who raised him. And um, he really was a strong example of fatherhood. And so when um, our first son was born, he was around six years old. And my husband, you know, said, hey, we need to have a family meeting with him. And I'm like, okay, what's the subject of the family meeting? He said, well, we need to have the talk with him. And so if you're a boy mom, you hear the word the talk, you think it's the pubescent talk. And I'm like, well, he's six. Like, what? He's like, it's okay, babe. We're going to have the talk with him. It'll be fine. So I just decided to trust whatever my husband was doing. I mean, I, I'm, a, I'm a woman. I can't say I'm an expert at raising men. So I had to trust him. And so my son gets home from school. He gets situated. And then my son, my husband's like, all right, let's have the meeting. And we're sitting there. And so my husband starts off, you know, hey, son, you know, I'm really so glad to be your dad. It's, you know, one of my greatest life's accomplishments. And I'm really honored to be your dad, but I've never been a dad before and you've never been a son before. So that means we're both doing something that we've never done. And that means we'll do some things really well and other things we're going to make mistakes. And so my six-year-old was like, you know, yeah, dad, you know, and my husband said, you know, through all of it, the good and the bad, as long as we are open and honest with each other and we don't keep secrets and we share and we talk everything out there's nothing that we can't accomplish and nothing that we can't get done. And he's like, son, are you willing, you know, to have that type of relationship and to talk to me and, you know, to let us work through things together. And of course my son's like, yeah, dad, you know, <laughs> high five dad, you know? Yeah. He's on board. And so when the talk was over, I kind of like said, Whoop, that was good. I, I survived. You know, we didn't talk about body parts or anything of that nature. And, but I thought it was a very endearing moment. And so, Fast forward, my second son, there's eight years between my first and second. And so now my oldest is 14. We've already had that awkward talk. And now it's time for my second son to have the talk. And so I'm like, well, you know, that was really cute eight years ago. But how are you going to make this, you know, special second time around? And so my husband started with my younger son. He's like, you know, son, 
I've never fathered two sons before and you've never been a son before. And then he pointed to my older son, hey, you've never been a big brother before. And so he continued down that same line and it made it personable to everyone yet endearing. And I was like, whoa, kudos to you. That was great. <laughs> and so then five years later, I have my my youngest son and my husband calls that same meeting again with him when he's around age six. And he does the same thing, starts with him as the younger, goes to my bridge son, which I don't call him my middle child, tells him you've never been a big brother. And then he goes to my oldest son and he literally almost sort of passes a paternal baton to him in the sense that he now has two younger brothers that he needs to care for. And so as a result, my oldest son is very paternal and, you know, he would take my two younger sons on like brother dates and you know he was always very fatherly toward them like a junior dad and so fast forward now you know my husband passes away and here we are in the hospital and I'm standing there I'm looking at my husband I'm looking at my three sons who are now like nearly men young men and I'm like how am I gonna navigate this you know I'm, I'm a single mom and their dad's not here I'm like what do we do and so I looked at my husband and I looked at my sons and I thought back to those three conversations. And I said to my sons, guys, you know, here we are. I've been married to your dad for 30 years. I married him at 21. I've never been a widow before. Mm. I don't know what it is to live life without him. You know, as my partner, I said, here you guys are. You've never lived a moment without your dad other than these moments now. And so here we are. We're all doing something that we've never, ever done before. You know, I said, and my kids just started chiming in. You know, one's like, yeah, we're going to do some things right. And then another son chimed in, yeah, we're going to do some things wrong. And then the third one's like, but yeah, if we work through it together. And like, we're all standing there like in tears because we realized my husband with a very simple act from over 25 years prior taught us how to live in this moment. And we realized that if we give each other grace and space, that there literally is nothing that we as a family cannot endure and overcome together. I, um, yeah. you know, I, I told you that made me tear up beforehand hearing it. And even the second <laughs> time it makes me tear up because yeah, it, it it brings tears to my eyes when I think about it as well, Andrew. But that, for real, that is the legacy of my husband. That is the type of person that he was. And I have stories like that for days because that's just the type of person that he was. I mean, and it shows to me, too, the, the fact that he, all three of your children jumped on that so quickly. Yeah. You got them started, but they clearly, they knew where to go. I mean, that... There's so much yeah. of him that's still living on that. Yeah, absolutely. I, I live, it's, it's funny. I said, yeah, I had one Martin that passed away, but I have four more with my three sons and my four-year-old grandson <laughs> because I literally feel like I'm looking and living still with my husband every day. <laughs> that's, so I, I have to ask, I mean, does that, does that make it easier? And easy, I guess, is relative. It's, it is it's relative. relative. Um, it, it, it's bittersweet. I think that's the best way to describe it. Um, it, it makes me extremely happy that my sons have elements and components and 
integrity and yeah. personality that reflects their father, even though they each have their own unique style and the way that they manifest it. But I truly, truly am blessed to watch them and to see that, yes, their father lives on through each of them. My youngest, he's a thespian and, you know, he's always doing acting and singing. And he used to sing with the Philadelphia Voice Choir and toured oh, wow. with them for many years. And so it's, I watched him every performance that he had after my husband passed away. He always had an article of my husband's clothing, ties, socks, shirt, something as his way of making sure that his dad was always with him. And I didn't notice it at first. And then when I really got, got wind of what he was really doing, it warmed my heart, but I didn't want to say anything to him because that was his personal reflection. I didn't want to draw attention to it overly, you know? Yeah. And so we were driving to one of his uh, concerts and he was like, mom, do you recognize this tie? You know? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, yeah, I think I have seen that tie before. <laughs> and he's like, mom, you know, this is dad's tie. And I'm like, I do know that. And so that's when he confessed that, you know, he's like, mom, I wear something to dad's for every concert. And even though I had known it, I act like I acted as if it were new information yeah. to me because I wanted to honor his process. Everyone grieves differently. And so I wanted to honor his process in that. But it really definitely warmed my heart to see how he was honoring his father. I think that that is beautiful. And it in a couple of ways, one, the fact that, you know, he, he wanted to have him close with him, I think is mm -hmm. It makes sense, you know, at that age to you're doing something major, you know, you want yeah. that you want your dad with you. But yeah. the fact, too, that he, you know, he found a way to do it that was true to him and that, you know, mm -hmm. worked for him. But the fact that you as his, as his mother, you allowed him to, it's like you said, process it in his own way, in his own time and, and tell you when he was ready. Absolutely. I, I think that that is, I think that shows emotional intelligence. I think it shows respect you know, and, and, and respect of him and his autonomy. And that's, that's beautiful. Absolutely. Yeah. That's why I always told my sons, I'm like, listen, no one can tell you how to grieve. Yeah. <laughs> no one can feel what you're feeling. And so, you know, you have to do what feels comfortable and right for you. No one can dictate that yeah. for you. And so no one can say, oh, you shouldn't feel that way. Or no one can even tell you that they know how you feel, even though they may have lost their, their dad as well. They don't know how you feel. Yeah. And so, you know, honor their process, but also honor yours as well. And I'm just going to say, you're, you're raising strong men. I can tell that. Have, <laughs> Thank you. Have raising I had and a have good raising. example. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, but that too, what you said about everybody's got their own process. I, um, yeah. I shared on my Facebook recently that I, I started doing this podcast. Um, I've been doing this for almost a year and I, I kind of kept it private for a long time, you know, and I, when I say private, I meant my wife knew, my daughter knew, my daughter doesn't really know what a podcast is, but every once in a while she would just say, Hey, how many people have listened to your, your podcast Aww. or your thing, you know? Um, but I finally shared it in on Facebook with, you know, my friends and family that I was doing this thing. Mm -hmm. And I, I shared some things I learned, but you touched on one of the biggest ones is that everyone processes differently. I have spoken to musicians who have written music, you know, poets who've written poetry, you know, others mm -hmm. who, you know, it, and this, this way, finding a way to still feel close to, to that person that they've lost. Okay. I don't think there's any right or wrong way to do it. I think some ways are healthier than others. Mm 
I would say that's a really healthy way, but everybody's got their own grieving process that they have to go through. Absolutely. And the best thing that we can do as people are going through their grieving process is to respect them, their process and support them by, you know, whatever means is necessary. I know for me, um, my mom passed away on my birthday in 2009 and um, it's bittersweet, you know, but my mom, she waited. The beauty of it is she was on hospice and I had literally, I was, I had moved into her house to care for her and she literally waited until it was my birthday. She wanted to know every day, what day is it? What day is it? (laughs) And when we finally got to my birthday, it was like a relief for her. And, you know, she sent me away to go get my hair done, which that was arguable. I'm like, mom, I don't need my hair done. I'm, <laughs> I'm staying here with you. you know? She's like, no, I want you to go and get your hair done and get pretty tight curls. And I'm like, nobody cares what my hair looks like. I'm going to be in here with you. you know? yeah. She's like, no, no. And so sure enough, her sending me away to get my hair done was her way to make an escape. Because, she, you know, by the time I got back home, she had already passed away. But the beauty of it was that she had, you know, sent, sung happy birthday to me. You know, we had beautiful exchange of words and memories and different things. But the fact that she mustered the strength to wait until my birthday just kind of knit us together in a way that is un- unbelievable. And I get to celebrate my birthday, but I also get to celebrate her every year. So, yeah, that, that is beautiful that she because I can see it in her head. She, um, she just didn't want to, she didn't want to miss your birthday. Not that close. Yeah. She didn't want to miss it. (laughs) That I think bittersweet makes sense as a, as a way to think about that. Yeah. Yeah. It's all about love at the end of the day. Yeah. You know, no matter what we do, everything that we do must be clothed and based in love. Yeah. My husband modeled that to us as a family and as a result, we're able to take that solid foundation of love. And even amid our broken hearts and the difficulties, we can move forward because love conquers all. Yeah. And so we have wonderful memories. Um, we have great examples. And, um, you know, I, I have no doubt of the love that my husband had for me or my children. And that now goads us forward in what we need to do. You can't beat that. Nope. I um nothing like it. <laughs> I, I did want to ask another question too. Um, you know, yeah. you, you mentioned that his passing happened um, the day before Thanksgiving. Yes. What was Thanksgiving <laughs> like? You know, in years past, and what has it been like since? So, Thanksgiving in years past for the Hollis family. My husband's the youngest of eleven, and so we would gather all together as a family, all of his siblings, their children, grandchildren. Yeah. It was always a huge <laughs> event <laughs> for Thanksgiving. There was always tons of food, tons of football, just tons of activities, people, you know, and it was just an all day affair. We would just eat, nap, eat, nap, you know, just an ongoing thing. Um, and then of course, the pandemic happened. And so we weren't gathering. And so that was difficult. So we would do zoom and everyone would cook, kind of cook on their own, which just quite wasn't the same. And so we had not quite for 2021, we had not resumed 
um, in-person Thanksgiving celebrations. And so November 2021, Thanksgiving, um, my sister, like I said, had just passed away. And so I said to my husband, you know, we're just going to do like some light fair. It's not going to be that huge Thanksgiving spread. I don't really feel like doing all that cooking anyway. And so we'll just do, you know, some little light cooking. And so uh, my husband that morning, as I had indicated previously, he had ruptured his Achilles. And so he really wasn't very mobile, but he really wanted some breakfast that morning. And so he got up and, you know, I'm from the Philadelphia area. So Scrapple, I don't know if you've even ever heard of Scrapple. We have something but, similar, um, uh, liver mush in the South. Oh, they call it liver mush? Yeah, it's it's not a it's not a pretty name, but it's I don't know how you like it, but I, I've heard that there's similar. I don't know. I don't know that they're exactly the same, but I like it. Okay. Burnt. I like mine cooked and burnt. Crispy. Crispy yeah. with yellow mustard on uh, on bread. Oh wow! I've never had it with yellow mustard, but yeah. So you know, Philadelphia Haberset, you know, is the name brand in this area. And so my husband got up and he wanted some scrapple some eggs, and some home fried potatoes. Oh, yeah. And I had told him, babe, I'll cook it for you. No, 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 you can't make it like I can. (laughs) I'm like, oh, it's a competition now. So I'm like, fine. So he wanted to get up that morning. We helped him to get downstairs, and we, you know, empowered him to be able to navigate in the kitchen to cook this breakfast. And so the general rule in Hollisville is when you cook cook something, you got to clean up after yourself. Those two go hand in hand. And so... My husband was a little tired, you know, from doing the meal. So we were willing to make an exception for him. And so I said, hey, you know what? You know, you go sit down in the family room. You know, I'll clean up the kitchen for you. I need to start my Thanksgiving dinner prep anyway. And so he's like, okay, babe, I'm going to go sit down. And so he's talking to me from the family room while I'm in the kitchen. And I'm starting to prepare for my Thanksgiving meal, getting my, you know, sweet potatoes out and getting out my collard greens so I can get ready to clean those and, you know, just getting all my stuff prepared. Yeah. And so my husband's like, what all are we having? You know? And so I told him, but I didn't mention Turkey because my kids and I had already said, you know, I'd already told them I'm not doing a whole lot of cooking. The children preferred ham over Turkey anyway. And so I said, okay, we're just going to have the ham and a few other fixings. And my husband's like, what do you mean there's no turkey? (laughs) (laughs) And so to know my husband, he, as nice as he was, he was also a traditionalist. And so he just could not fathom that it would be unconscionable for us to not have (laughs) turkey on Thanksgiving. Like, what is wrong with you? (laughs) I'm like, it's okay, babe. We'll have a ham, you know, and we'll be okay. Yeah. He's like, no, we have to have a turkey. It is... (laughs) Thanksgiving like it's if we don't have it any other day of the year and so we're having like this little tiff about this turkey and he's like babe just run to the store and get a turkey I said you know how hard it is to get a turkey the day before (laughs) are you kidding me and he's like no just go he's like just go get a turkey I believe you're gonna find it you know and then you can just come back and continue doing what you're doing I'm like, it's going to be such a waste of food because nobody's really going to eat this turkey. He's like, I'm going to eat it. And that's all that matters. So I'm like, okay. So literally I run to the market. It's crowded to say the least. It's the day before Thanksgiving. Yeah. But amazingly, I found a turkey. It wasn't a huge one. You know, just a nice little turkey breast, which is perfect, you know, for my husband because he's really only the, the only one that was going to eat it. I leave the market. And as I'm getting in my car, my daughter in love, she calls me. 
and she says, Mama P, she's like, um, something's wrong with Poppy. You know, we called my husband Poppy as a grandfather. And I'm like, well, what do you mean? And she's like, well, he was sitting here in the family room, like you told him until you got back. And he said he wanted um, a bottle of water. I went to bring him a bottle of water. And as I'm approaching the family room, he puts his hand on his chest and his he puts his head back, his eyes kind of roll back in his head and he just falls over. I'm like, you're kidding me. Like, I said, is he moving? She's like, no, he's not moving. He's not doing anything. I said, have you called 911? She's like, yes. I'm like, okay. I said, get on FaceTime. Let me see him. Like, let me just, you know, see what's going on. And so when she showed me my husband's face on the camera, I have to honestly say, I do believe that. I was like, I don't think he's with us. Like he's, his eyes are too fixed and he's not moving. And so I was greatly concerned. Um, and real nervous. So I'm like, okay, I'm on my way, you know? And so I just like immediately called, you know, like my pastor and like some of my friends to say, Hey, I just need you guys to be praying for me. I don't even have the strength to do it for myself right now. And, um, so when I got, by the time I got home, my house was a fury of activity, like, you know, big shout out to first responders and, EMTs and the people that do that work, what they do is absolutely incredible. Yeah, and so here they are in my home and my husband is on the family room floor and they're working feverishly and they're doing everything that they can um, to try to save him. I see like the mechanical pumps and they're doing the CPR. And my youngest son at the time was kind of coming in um, from a half day at school and he realizes what's going on. He's like, mom, I'm like, I know, I know. And so I look at him and he's constantly looking into the family room and I'm like, baby, just focus here, you know, trying to keep him situated. And I could just see the nervousness in his eyes. And I said to him, you know, recalling that just a year prior, I had COVID, our whole household, for the most part, except for two of my kids had COVID. And literally during COVID, I had had a seizure and I stopped breathing. And my husband, I was sitting in the same chair, the same position where he had been sitting. And they laid me out on the same place on the floor in the family room. And my husband was the one that performed CPR on me um, before the paramedics got to our home. And um, amazingly, you know, he was able to resuscitate me when the paramedics got to the home in my situation, I was breathing but I was unconscious. So they literally took me out of my house breathing, but unconscious with my children, not knowing whether they'd ever, you know, be able to talk to me again or see me again. And so I'm looking at my youngest son and I can see he's recalling, you know, all of that and looking at his dad. And so I said to him, I said, son, is this how it was when, you know, mommy collapsed? And he looked at me and for as long as I I live, I'll never forget his facial expressions, he just kind of dropped his head and he looked back up at me and he was like, no, mom, this is far more intense. And that's when I really knew that my husband was gone. And so um, the paramedics, they said, we're going to take him to the hospital. And I, I just said to the woman, I said, please tell me, I said, is he is he breathing? And she's like, ma'am, we really can't give you, you know, I said, no, no, listen, this is my husband of 30 years. 
I understand the general rules that you guys can't give details, but I need a detail. It's the day before Thanksgiving. This is my husband. I just need to know, is he breathing or not? Yeah. And so she said, no, Mrs. Hollis, he's not breathing. She's like, but we're doing everything that we can do. Um, and, you know, can you meet us at the hospital? I said, absolutely. I'll meet you at the hospital. And of course, there's a million things running through my mind because we had just gone through this with my sister where she had collapsed and they found her unresponsive. And so I'm concerned now, okay, how long has he been, you know, without oxygen? And if he does, if he's able to be resuscitated, what is his state going to be? And am I going to have to go through another 10 days of, you know, neurological testing that we just had completed with my sister? And so there's a myriad of thoughts that are just running through my mind. And so, you know, I'm like, okay, I just need, I need to stop thinking about all that and let me just take whatever moment it's going to be and let it just be that. And so, um, you know, we got to the hospital and then that's, I waited and waited. It seemed like forever, but then eventually they came and, you know, when they take you into the conference room, instead of taking you to um, an actual bedside, you realize, you know, what the outcome is. So, yeah. yeah. I know I told you before, but I'll say it again. I'm I'm so sorry to hear that. And oh, thank you. For I you do and, appreciate that. Um, yeah, and and for you all to have had to go through that. I mean, so close together. I um. Yeah. You know, I I I think the juxtaposition though of hearing how tragic that is with how your family came together so quickly and just mm-hmm. for each other afterwards. Absolutely. You know, yeah, it, our mantra, like I said, became grace and space. You know, we're navigating new territory. And so I extend grace to you. I give you your space and you do the same for me. And, you know, we've had some moments where it's like, I don't really want to talk right now. Not a problem, you know, but know that you have support. And, you know, I did, especially with three sons, I was very careful to remind my sons that there's nothing wrong with talking to a therapist. You know, we're, we're very strong in our faith, you know, but yet again, there's professionals that are here on the earth that can help us. And so by all means, if you need a therapist, if you need someone to talk to, that is nothing to be ashamed of. I raise my hand first to say that I have one. And so if you need one, by all means, you know, just let me know, especially for my minor child, he couldn't initiate the services himself. My older son's were old enough to be able to initiate those services on their own. Yeah. But I'm like, there's nothing wrong with it. You know, let's remove that stigma. So. I'll just say this. I, I've said this on the show before and I'll say it again. I am a firm believer that therapy is, whether you've been through something traumatic or not, therapy is a, is a great service. It's a great thing. Yeah. You know, we, we absolutely, you go to the doctor every year for your physical health. You go to the dentist for your, for your dental health. You know, yeah. your mental health is just as important. It really is. <laughs> All right. So thank yeah. you for, thank you for one, being that example. And then two, sharing that. I, um, absolutely for anyone listening, if you, if you think that maybe that's something that if you're curious about whether or not that would be good for you, please try it. I would highly try recommend it. it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah, my husband loved food. Um, I'm still not sure how I feel about Turkey. Yeah. I, <laughs> I don't know if I want to eat it every day to remember him or if I never want to eat it again. <laughs> yeah. I, um, I can imagine that would sour you on it. Cause you know, we, we talked a bit, you asked me, um, before we started about the, the premise of this and the, the background and, you know, I told you that mm-hmm. food is, I think food's a great way to remember people. Um, I can understand the negative associations with the Turkey though. 
Um, but you did mention <laughs> the foods that he loved. Um, tell yeah, me about some my of husband foods. loved. He loved ribs. Like yeah. he loved to eat some barbecue spare ribs. Oh yeah, and he loved to eat lasagna. Like those were probably his two favorite dishes. Yeah, um, to eat. Now he could also cook a mean salmon. <laughs> My husband would get the grill out and he would grill that salmon and he had this special seasoning that he kept under wraps. <laughs> <laughs> and he would use that and put some some of that seasoning and just blacken the salmon and my kids like it was just delicious. Like we absolutely loved it. So he would make the salmon and he would also make um uh, shrimp alfredo kids oh. loved when my when my husband made shrimp alfredo <laughs> i love too that they got to see him doing the helping out with the cooking too that's um, oh yeah we're I, an equal opportunity family around here <laughs> as it should be i um yes <laughs> i take a lot of pride in the fact that uh i i do a you know my wife has been extra busy at work lately so i've been trying to help pitch in and you know, pick up more of the cooking and look we we haven't all said this out loud but i think we all know she is the better cook of the two of us yeah, but daddy tries his best. <laughs> hey, but daddy tries his best. And that's okay. I, I have a, about a 90% success rate on not screwing up dinner. So that's I take pride, I take pride in that. And that other 10%, we just eat out. It's okay. Yeah, we actually had this last week. I tried to make um Salisbury steak last week, which sounds like it'd be the easiest thing in the world. Um, I, I should have followed a recipe a little bit more closely. I tried to go off a of feeling and we ended up no. eating McDonald's that night. So, <laughs> It's a, you win some, you lose some. That one. That's true. My daughter would say that she won that one, but uh, you know. She had the Happy Meal. She was fine. Yeah, no, she she got the Happy Meal and I, I ate a couple of Shane Burgers. So it was, it worked out. Um, That's awesome. Yeah, you, you know, it's it's one of those, you, you got to laugh a little bit. Um, t- yeah. Tell me though, you, you said, you mentioned to me too that you've ordered ribs a couple of times, you know, to kind of just, I guess, re- remind you of him. Yeah, I have like, you know, a few times when I've gone out with friends or with family since um, my husband's passing, um, you know, it it is kind of funny because like I would order ribs. And so a lot of times my husband and I, we would go on dates, he would not look at the menu. (laughs) And so because he knew he was mostly getting ribs. (laughs) And so, you know, the I was like, well, do you want to look at the menu? He's like, no, I'm I'm just going to order ribs. And like, are you sure they have ribs? It's like, oh, yeah, everybody sells ribs. You know? <laughs> and so, you know, I would look at the menu and I wouldn't see ribs, but I wouldn't say anything. And so then the waitress would come and he'd ask for ribs. And she's like, oh, sir, we don't serve ribs. And he's just like, oh, OK, still not looking at the menu. Well, do you have steak? You know, like, it was like he had this thing where he just didn't want to look at the menus. And he's like, every restaurant should either have ribs. And if they don't have ribs, they have steak. And then if they don't have steak, then they either have a burger or a salad. So I don't ever need to look at a menu because I'm going to eat one of those four things. <laughs> you know, I can respect <laughs> that, though. <laughs> you know what he always wanted. be so funny. And so one time for date night, I intentionally picked a restaurant that had neither ribs <laughs> nor steak. <laughs> you did this just to prove a point. Yeah, I'm going to force you to look at the menu. <laughs> so did he look at the menu that time or did he? He uh... still didn't. <laughs> I was like, did he go for the hamburger? Like... <laughs> yeah, so yeah, a couple of times on occasion when I would go out to dinner, I would just eat ribs. Like, okay, 
Martin, I'm remembering you today and I'm not going to look at the menu and I'm just going to order ribs, you know? And so that's always a wonderful memory to bring up and to just kind of laugh about um, yeah. whenever I'm having a meal to be like, no menu. I know what I want. I'm just going to get the ribs <laughs> with the baked potato. <laughs> and, so, and so I'll, I'll ask, I have a statement, but I also have a question. And I guess the question mm-hmm. is, did you, do you, do you intentionally go out saying I'm going to get the ribs, no menu, or is it, you know, you got there and, and thought to yourself like, Hey, just something just felt right. And it just felt like the right thing to do. It's been both like, um, you know, one night we were going out with his family. And so it was just kind of like a dinner with his family. And I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm honoring brother Martin tonight and I'm getting ribs with the baked potato and some iced tea <laughs> with extra limit. Like it's just, I didn't even have to think about it. As soon as I get to the table, I know what I'm going to do. Yeah. And then there are other times when I would just be out. And as I'm looking at the menu, I would see the ribs and be like, Hmm. I'm going to order ribs this time. It just hit you. you. So, yeah. So sometimes there was intentionality and then other times it was just monumental in that moment. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, um, I guess the the statement I was going to make is that it it does feel very, um, I don't think cathartic is the word, but it, it, it just feels right sometimes, you know, um, there's, there's something about, it's a, it's a closeness, right? It, it feels like you're, you're feeling closer to that person because you're enjoying something yeah. that they enjoyed so much. Absolutely. Yeah. I know the, my husband dessert wise, he loved apple pie alamode. Okay. Yeah. He absolutely. <laughs> and, and of course the pie had to be warm so that the ice cream could melt and drizzle along the sides. Well, yeah, that's the right way yeah. to do it. <laughs> Yeah, it's like any other way, like, what are you doing? Yeah. So <laughs> there was one time when I was out for dinner and um, I, I noticed that they had apple pie a la mode and I, I did order that because I wasn't going to get dessert, but there was a group of us. And so we just decided, hey, let's split a dessert, you know? And so I'm like, okay, it has to be the apple pie guys. And they were like, okay, cool. <laughs> And so I'm like, yeah, we're going to remember Martin in this moment. And so with this one slice of pie and, you know, four forks and spoons, we're gonna <laughs> just divide it up. So, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's special though. That, you know, that one that you were able to do that, even what may seem like a small thing, I think can have big impacts. You know, we, we talked earlier about how small things, they, they can mean yeah. as much as a big thing, but something as Absolutely. small as just a dish that somebody liked, but the fact too, that they were so supportive and, yeah, you know, you want she wants the apple pie. We're getting the apple pie. Absolutely, yeah. It, it is, it is amazing how food is a unifier in that regard. Yeah. And so that's it's very helpful. I can always dial up good memories when I think about food because I remember this is funny too. Um, when my husband and I first got married, I was twenty one years old, and my husband was eight years older, so he was twenty nine. Yeah. And so I really, you know, I was never really a cook. I, my dad was a chef in the Navy. And so oh, wow. um, he always cooked for us. And so I, I can't really say I knew how to cook. I really knew how to cook or anything like that. And so now I'm marrying this man and you know, he wants to eat. And so I'm trying my best. I'm getting recipes and I'm cooking all these different meals and trying to make everything that I think he might like. And so he would come home from work and he would be like, oh, that was really good. That was great. And I'm like, okay, I'm doing well. I'm learning, you know, I'm learning you know, the way to a man's um, heart is through his stomach. So, you know, I'm doing okay. 
But yet, like about two hours, maybe or so after dinner, my husband would always go into the kitchen and he would get like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. <laughs> or he would go and grab a bowl of, you know, cornflakes and slice a banana and put it on it. Or, you know, he would make a hot dog and get a can of baked beans. And, you know, I'm like, didn't you like the food I made? You know, like, I'm kind of like wondering, like, was the food good or was the food not good? You know, like, I'm not sure, you know? And, you know, I'm like, he's like, oh no, babe, the food was great. I ate seconds of it. It was wonderful, but I'm a real basic kind of guy. And I just like, you know, hot dogs and baked beans, cereal, you know, peanut butter and jelly. He's like, as long as we have that stuff in the house, I'm good. You don't have to make all those, you know, like super special hard dishes. I'm like, you just made my life a hundred times easier. Cause at the time I was in grad school and I'm like, you've got to be kidding. So needless to say, there was never a time in our pantry when you did not find those staples. And sometimes he would come home from work and he'd say, what's for dinner? I'm like, cereal. He's like, perfect. <laughs> See, and that's how you know, he married you because he loved you, not because he wanted somebody to cook for him. Absolutely. Absolutely. So yeah, I, I have tons of food memories with my husband and even <laughs> I'll tell you this story is food story. Then I'll stop. Um, when we were dating, um, you know, I sort of to know my husband's family and my family, they grew up together. So like I'm the youngest of seven, he's the youngest of 11 and the older, my older siblings and his siblings, they all grew up together. They were, you know, we were all neighbors before I was even born, you know, and my mom and his mom were really good friends. And my mom used to change my husband's diapers. I mean, like our families are highly integrated. And so, um, you know, as I got older and my husband's, you know, really had a, a romantic interest in me, he told my parents and, you know, they were like, okay, go ahead, Martin. You know, they were fully in agreement with it. But even though he and I were friends, I was not quite getting the romantic message. I, I wasn't quite understanding it. And so he was like, she's really smart, but when it comes to romantic <laughs> things, she's kind of clueless. And so, um, he finally told me, you know, I actually am interested in you romantically. Like you're not getting it. I'm like, wait a minute. You're just like a family friend. Like that, that doesn't make any sense. And so he was like, well, can we at least try it? You know? So I'm like, okay. So we're on this date and anyone that knows me knows that I love seafood. And so my husband picked perhaps one of the nicest seafood restaurants in Philadelphia okay. at the time. I think it's closed now. Um, but we had gone and he's like, you know, you can get anything you want. And of course I'm completely indecisive because I love all seafood. <laughs> and so they had the a lump crab meat appetizer and then they had the shrimp cocktail and I couldn't decide between the two. And so my husband's like, well, get them both. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. So I'm ordering two appetizers, you know, then it's time to get my meal. Well, I can't really decide. Do I want the, the, the lobster tail Hmm. Or do I want the salmon? And he's just like, order both entrees. We can always take a doggy bag. I'm, I'm like, oh, okay. I'm like, I said, he might meet, be a good person to date after all. Like, you okay. know? <laughs> and so then when it's time for dessert, I couldn't decide between the cheesecake and the strawberry shortcake. <laughs> they were both, you know, so appealing. And so of course I got them both. And then I'm thinking, well, wow, my parents probably would really, enjoy this as well so then we're buying 
dessert to take home. So of course we're leaving the restaurant looking like we've been to the supermarket because <laughs> we have all the food. <laughs> and so I kind of knew then that he was definitely a keeper he was because free. he put down a lot of money in that restaurant. We probably fed like six people <laughs> with all the food we purchased on our date. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, and that's a that's a that's a move though right there just to say just get both, just get both. Yeah, just help yourself whatever you want, babe. I'm like okay, don't tell me that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know um you I know you told me that you wrote a memoir um I did. before we jump into that though because I, I do want you to talk to us about that before we end. Um, okay. There is one last question I always like to ask my guests um, before we wrap up because I think it's. I don't know. I don't know. How, I don't know how to explain if it's. I wouldn't say it's fun to think about, but I think it's um, special. If if you had a chance to have one last meal with them, what would that be? If I had a chance to have one last moment with him, one last meal. Oh, one last meal with yeah. him. Um. Wow. I think if I had an opportunity to have one last meal with him. I probably would have um, some crabs. Crab. So yeah, so I, I went to I went to undergrad in Maryland, and I love blue crabs, snow crabs, all kinds of crabs. Um, and so my husband, although he loves the crab meat, he refused to actually pick the crabs like. <laughs> He's like, I'm not. It's too much work. I'll just go buy some jumbo lump crab meat from somewhere. And so that's what we would normally do, uh, like special occasions or whenever he even wanted to do something romantically to surprise me, you know, he would get me the jumbo blue crabs and he would get me some Alaskan or Dungeness crab legs. Oh, wow. And I would sit and eat them and he would just talk to me. Because, of course, you know, when you're sitting and eating crabs, it's so easy to talk. And so he wouldn't really eat anything except maybe a small bowl of the lump crab meat. But he enjoyed watching me pick the crabs. He would tease me about it. He's just like, you're getting any meat? You know? He just like being <laughs> with you. He's like, how do you do that? You know, it's so much work. But I think if I were to have an opportunity to have another meal with him, I would want it to be a meal like that because I know we would sit and talk and have a really good time. Yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. I appreciate you sharing so much with me today and with the audience. Um, I, like I mentioned a moment ago, I know you did write a memoir. Do you, you want to talk to us about that? Sure. I would love to talk about that. So my husband was one, who was very intentional about what he did. He was very intentional about what he said. Um, he was very intentional about the things that he did, um, the associations and the things that he made. Um, he was just very intentional. And so I reflected a lot on my husband. And as I indicated previously, my mom had passed away on my birthday. And so I had started a blog about three years ago in memory and in honor of her. And so um, I decided in 2021 to dedicate my blog 
to my husband. And so every Monday I would write, you know, just a short little blog entry and put something on my social media with the hashtag of Martin Mondays. My husband's name was Martin. And so I would just write this little story every week. But I'm also a strong believer in learning a life lesson. Like, I don't believe that anything we go through is wasted and doesn't have some type of value in our lives. And so I started writing these little memories of my husband and our relationship, but I would always end them with a question. So what is the lesson here? You know, what can we glean from what we've, you know, shared in this story? And so I just started doing that. I would sit down on Sunday nights and, you know, look up to the sky and be like, all right, brother Martin, you know, what do we want to tell the people tomorrow about our relationship? You know, and it was very therapeutic for me to just be able to share. Like even people that knew us, some of the stories I shared were things they never heard before. And so it was a great way to keep my husband's memory alive and to reflect on him. And so somewhere mid-year, it became kind of obvious that this is kind of a book. <laughs> you know, people kept saying, hey, can you write a book? Can you make this a book? Like, this is this is so good. Like, you yeah. know, and I'm like, really, guys? Like, I'm just, I'm just out here sharing my memories and pouring out my heart. I wasn't really thinking about writing a book, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and so I'm like, well, they might be right. And so then I decided to be intentional like my husband and to plan out this book. And so I wanted, I was doing 52 stories, of course, for the 52 weeks of the year. Um, but I also wanted to commemorate my husband's birthday. So my husband's born in January, January the 23rd. And so I wanted to make sure that the book was released on his birthday. I wanted to celebrate have like a book launch and everything on his birthday and he would have turned 61 um, this past January and so I wanted to have 61 stories to just reflect and you know his years on earth and so 52 of the stories are specific to the time that we had with my husband while he was alive and then the last nine stories are things and lessons that my family have learned since he has passed away. And so these 61 stories are a memoir of my husband, um, our relationship, but it's also a pattern and um, an outline for others because at the end of the day, all relationships require and necessitate intentional intimacy. They require vulnerability, Um, you know, and sharing and communication, you know, and selflessness and just different themes that go through the book are the foundation and the core of all relationships. And so I wanted to create those into me see intimacy moments (laughs) for people to peer into our relationship, but not just reflect on Martin and Paula, but then to look like, so what is the lesson here? It's not just Martin and Paula's story, it's your story too. Yeah. How can you apply this into your life, into your relationships with others? And so I give space uh, for that in the book for people to reflect and not just look at our love story, but to look at their relationships 
and their love stories with loved ones, with their significant other, with their children, because all of our relationships necessitate intentional intimacy. So, so that's the name of the book, Intentional Intimacy, Lessons in Life, Love, and Relationships. And it is available on Amazon. And um, I would appreciate any support and reviews that you guys would um, provide. If you just look up Intentional Intimacy, you'll find the book in hardback, softback, and um, in the Kindle electronic version. That that's beautiful. I will be ordering. Um, I will also make sure to link that out in my show notes. Um, okay. So anyone who's reading the comments, you will see the link to that book. Wow, I appreciate that, Andrew. I do. I just want to, I just want people to be intentional about their relationships. Be intentional about the time they spend with one another. That's one thing. My husband and I—they always say opposites attract. I am the epitome of a multitasker. <laughs> My husband is a single-threaded type of person. And so he always believed in giving the gift of presence. And so if you were in his presence, you had 100% of his attention. (laughs) And that's generally not the case with me. I'm kind of doing other things, but I'm I'm a mom, you know, so I, I can not look at you and still know what's going on, you know, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And so it used to always be so funny when he would say, babe, come sit down next to me and let's watch the news. Okay. Are we going to do anything else? No, we're going to sit here <laughs> and we're going to watch the news because he would always give the gift of presence and he was very intentional. And I really think that that's something that's often missing in our interactions and relationships with one another today, like really giving each other um, our presence and our time and our energy. And my husband taught me that. And I also in turn would teach him things like, okay, babe, we're going to go on a tech date and we're going to sit there and we're not allowed to say any spoken words because my husband really didn't text much. So I'm like, okay, we're going to sit here and we're going to text each other the entire time through dinner so that you can really learn how to text me because it's not necessary for you to call me 10 times a day and say, babe, I'm on my way home. That's a text message. So we're going to teach you how to text. I I love that. You're right that how important intentionality is in presence. I, I think that is a such an important message, especially especially for relationships. But yeah. to the the balance there of you you teach and bring out something in each other, because yeah. I know my wife and I we you know I feel like we've both taught and shared so much with one another, and I think that's that's a hallmark of any good relationship is that you both Absolutely. obviously you both have to be partners and bring something to the table, but it's not always the like the big stuff. Sometimes it is again it's the little things. That's the, that seems to be the theme of this episode. A little, yes. little thing like teaching somebody how to text or just sitting down to watch the news. I mean, <laughs> I I love that so much. Yeah. Paula, yeah. I just yeah, want to say. My heart, go ahead. My, my heart always warms when I think of my husband because I have so many loving, caring memories like that. Yeah. And if, yes, if I can encourage your listeners in any way, shape or form, be intentional in your relationships. You never know. You know, we say here today, gone tomorrow. No, it could be here today and gone today. You know, we were anticipating my husband's retirement and 
he's retired in a way that I would not have ever chosen yeah. <laughs> at that point in life, you know, but I'm thankful that I can reflect on the 30 years we spent together as a married couple and the years we dated. Um, and to be honest, I probably was loved more in those 30 plus years than I probably could have ever been loved. And what some people might ever experience in a lifetime because my husband was so intentional and it really has made a difference in my life and in the lives of my children. And hopefully in my children's children, hopefully you will continue the legacy. There are some things I think that are generational. You know, I, um, I spoke with a couple of guests a few, a few months ago and they talked about a generational trauma and how that can be a grief process. Yes. But I think on the other side of this, this is that generational love. And it's a foundation that's been set. It's clearly, it was there for you. It's, it's been there in your marriage. You you laid out that example for your children. It sounds like they're going to pass it on to their children. You yeah, know. I think so. I definitely think they're passing it along. And um, I didn't talk much about my grandson, but he came up a couple times while you and I were talking. I'm like, shh, you got to be quiet. That's you know. Fine. But he, um, he and my husband had a beautiful relationship. And um, even still to this day, he remembers my husband. And I mean, he's only four, but he remembers. And it's amazing, like last year for Father's Day, he was three, he hadn't turned four yet. And of all the Sundays, you know, we're going to church, he decides on Father's Day morning and he wants to wear Poppy's hat. He's never asked to wear a hat before. He's never worn a hat before, but here it is Father's Day, and he wants to wear Poppy's fedora to church with his shorts and sneakers on. <laughs> <laughs> so we said, of course, you can wear Poppy's hat, yeah. you know, to church. He's never asked again to wear any hats. And it was like, how did he know that it was Father's Day? Like, it was just so endearing, the fact that on Father's Day, he asked to wear one of Poppy's hats. And he was just like, Poppy's in heaven, but I'm going to wear Poppy's hat. And I mean, it just, it just warmed all of our hearts. Like, oh my God, like he still remembers, you know, Poppy and of all days, and all Sundays for him to pick to wear one of his fedoras to church. It just, it was a beautiful thing. And like you said, for me, it represents legacy. And there's a proverb, you know, there's a Psalm that says a good man will leave an inheritance for his children and his children's children. And that inheritance is not all financial. Now the financial is important. Don't get me wrong because <laughs> nobody wants a broke, busted and disgusted family. <laughs> However, you've got to leave more than just material yeah. legacy. And so, yeah, if the legacy of love is the legacy that Team Hollis is perpetuating, then I'm all for it. <laughs> I don't think it could get any better than that. Thank you, Andrew. Paula, thank you so much for joining today. Thank you for talking about them. It's, um, I love doing this podcast because I get to talk to amazing people. This has been one of the most special interviews I think I've done. Um, I say that with no hyperbole. This You brought tears to my eyes several times, and I just want to say thank you. Wow. 
Well, I really love what you're doing, Andrew. And um, I'm so honored and humbled to be a guest on your broadcast. I, I really hope your sponsorship and your viewership expands considerably because um, I can just totally sense your heart in all that you're saying. Um, you definitely have intentionality and empathy, and you really are just a strong personality for this work. And I'm so glad that you started it, you know, in memory of your grandfather. And I truly hope that it resonates and blesses others because the concepts that you have, food is a comfort yeah. and, you know, aligning our comfort um, and grief and food together. There's a lot of memories that we can share when you think about family dinner and, you know, sitting down and sharing and making memories. That's the core. And so much of that is lost nowadays. So many families don't sit down and have dinner together, you know, and I remember that when I married my husband, we went to my in-laws every Sunday for dinner. <laughs> it's there is some yeah. the act of breaking bread with, with family and friends and people you care about, I think is important. You know, I'm not, yeah. I don't think it has to be necessarily around a dinner table. I'll never judge somebody like we eat on the couch. We eat on the floor. <laughs> I think eating just the act of eating together is important. And yeah. I'd love to get to share a meal with my wife and my daughter. There's, there's nothing better. That's awesome. Blessings to you and your family, Andrew. Thanks so much again for having me. Thank you so much for being on. <laughs> Take care. You too. Thank you to Paula for joining me today. Honestly, I found myself tearing up multiple times throughout the course of this conversation. Paula, whenever I say that you were such a delight to have on, I mean that with everything I have. I enjoyed speaking with you so much. To the audience, I hope you enjoyed talking with her as well. I also hope that you'll read her book, Intentional Intimacy. I'm going to be putting a link to that in the show notes for you to go check out. Um, I've said it before, but I've had authors on. I'll say it again. I don't do any type of... Um, ad revenue or anything like that from those links. These are not affiliate links. Um, 100% of what you're spending there is going to the person who wrote it. I'm not trying to take anything from that. So please know full transparency. I don't benefit from it, but I would love it if you would go buy her book, support her, read that, and take that into your own life. You also can subscribe to Our Last Mill uh, wherever you're listening or listen to podcasts. And I said it up top, I'll say it again, I would love if you'd take the time to rate and review and just help other people find this podcast. Uh, I'd also love if you'd follow Our Last Mill on uh, social media, uh, so Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, at Our Last Mill Pod, or go to OurLastMill.com. And if you're interested in being a guest on the podcast, you can reach out by clicking the Share Your Story button at the top of the page. You can also email OurLastMillPod at gmail.com. Reach out to me on social media however you want to do it. I'd love to talk with you. So until next time, I'm going to sign off and tell you, please take care of yourselves and go share a meal with someone you care about.